Hey, welcome to the Machete and Quill podcast. This is our final episode for this book. I'm your host, Ryan Hoyt, author of the fantasy novel, Gemma Calvertson and the Forest of Despair, which we've been reading in its entirety, one or two chapters each week on this podcast. Now, final episode here, chapter 42. So if you're joining us for the first time, you've caught us at the very end. You'll wanna go back to episode one and listen in order. We'll be here waiting for you when you're all caught up. And I'm so grateful that you've joined us on this journey. If you would like to support my creative efforts, please consider buying Gemma Calvertson and the Forest of Despair as an ebook, paperback, or hardcover, wherever books are sold online. Or you can buy a signed copy on my website, ryanhoytauthor.com. The next novel in the series, The Isle of Abandonment, will be released July 2023. So please go to ryanhoytauthor.com and pre-order it now. If you're interested, you can find my novella, The Witch of Farathon, featuring characters from this book, also on my website. And I have an unrelated gothic horror novel called Raven Tree Hollow that I would love for you to check out. Let's get into the final episode of this book and read chapter 42 of Gemma Calvertson and the Forest of Despair. After the episode, I will give you a synopsis for the next book. Keep in mind I'm narrating this book for the podcast, but it's not as clean as a professional paid audiobook. I hope you'll still enjoy the story and stay tuned after. Thank you for listening to the Machete and Quill podcast. Gemma Calvertson and the Forest of Despair, Book One of the Epistel Chronicles by Ryan Hoyt. Chapter 42. It was some time before Gemma could get away from her parents. Adelina had procured them an apartment within the castle, one big enough for all four Calvertsons. Gemma's mother had been traumatized by the events of the last several days, and she spent most of the night crying on Gemma's shoulder. At the same time, she was happy to see her little girl again and didn't want to let go of Gemma. Shortly before sunrise, her mother finally fell asleep. Gemma tiptoed out of the apartment and walked down to the audience chamber, where Nalia and the children of Farathon were sleeping on cots. When Gemma entered the chamber, Nalia was already standing in the middle of the room, facing the door. Somehow, she had been expecting Gemma. Gemma motioned for her to follow her out the door so as not to wake the children. They made their way into the ruins of the courtyard, not far from where Celadon Nialwen had crashed to his death the day before. I felt your presence all night, girl. You were waiting to talk to me. Your mother needed you more, though. It was good of you to stay with her. A great leader you are at such a young age. Thank you, Nalia. Gemma paced slowly around the courtyard her head lowered in sadness. I fear I know what you mean to ask, but I need to hear it from you directly. It's just, yesterday you laid your hands on my father, you said something in your tongue to him, and his eyes cleared, his mind began to work like it always should have. When I looked at him in that moment, I saw the man I always knew was trapped behind his troubled exterior. It was like the gray clouds drifted away from him for the first time in my lifetime and the sun was shining on him. When I set off on my journey, one thing I had hoped to learn was what happened to my father during the war. What made him lose his mind? I thought perhaps I had learned something about it from Richard. He seems to have trouble with his emotions, but it's nothing compared to what my father suffers. Yet my father became his old self again after Celadon was killed. Your spell wore off. You'd like to know the spell? so you can keep bringing back pieces of him that aren't really there anymore. It won't work, I'm afraid. 
It won't last, and the more you try, the less effective it will be. Eventually, it will start to damage his mind instead, even more than it already is. But you made a spell last for 70 years over the entire population of Farathon. Why would a spell over one man be more difficult? Child, if you think I didn't fatally damage every man, woman, and child in Farathon with my selfishness, you have learned nothing. Please, just enjoy the time you have left with your father. Accept him for who he is and be there for him. Perhaps the journey back home will be good for him. It'll keep him away from the crowded city he's been trapped in for years. That may be the best elixir for him, but he will never return to the man he once was. I am sorry. Gemma looked at Nalia with deep disappointment. It's not fair, she thought. I'm not being fair to her, expecting a miracle. Gemma began to cry. She reached for the old witch and embraced her. I'm the one who should be sorry, Gemma said. You are right, of course. I will love my father for who he is, not for who he was. Thank you, Nalia. Thank you for everything. By late afternoon, the ales and sales was stocked with the requisite food, drinks, and more drinks. The few Sakabayan soldiers who were being held captive in King Harold's castle were brought aboard. Captain Linnell and her crew, along with Justan, George, Mayakel, and Nalia, would soon sail downriver to meet up with the Vizenya at their former castle. There they would split the crew, with one half taking control of a remaining black ship that had belonged to the Sakabaya. The Vizenya would bring the foreign ones out and split them between the two ships, give instructions on how to find their ancestral lands, and take Mayakel back with them to their own island of paradise. Gemma knew it was time to say goodbye to those she had met over the course of her journey. Everyone gathered on the riverbank. Gemma's mother was crying hysterically on George's shoulder, and Gemma was relieved her own shoulder was free of tears for that short time. Finally, George pulled away and gave his sister a hug. I'm so proud of you, Gem. You've always accomplished anything and everything you wanted to, ever since we were little. You've saved an entire kingdom this time. And you, George, you came out of your shell. You had never left Capital City before, and now you're heading across the seas? This is crazy. Are you sure we're not dreaming? Best dream we could have come up with, if we're actually dreaming. Take care of mom and dad for me. I'm sorry I won't be there to help, but I guess that's not much different than it's been. Thank you for being there for them. And don't forget to take care of my cats. Give them lots of kisses for me. And what about Wellen? Gemma asked. George's eyebrows shot up. Gemma was sure he hadn't even thought of Wellen during his entire journey. Uh, please tell her goodbye for me. I think she'll understand. It's been a long time coming, and I think I've finally found myself. As he spoke, George shot a glance up the riverbank at Justan, who was boarding the ales and sails. Mrs. Calvertson began weeping loudly again, so George allowed her to throw her arms around him once more. Even their father looked emotional, and he joined in on the hug. Gemma used the opportunity to escape for a few minutes. She knew Richard had been looking over at her, waiting for an opportunity to speak with her. She walked up to him. Richard, that day back in Pine Drop, when you caught me following you, did you ever think the two of us would end up doing something as enormous as what we've done? Richard the Elusive's usual look of seriousness was broken by a laugh. His stiffness softened. I truly thought you were a spy then. Even as we fled through those tunnels under the forest, I wasn't convinced that you weren't one. We did well, though. You did well. Even in spite of what happened to Walker. 
I'm sorry I didn't do more to save him, and I'm sorry I didn't do more in the battle. Richard, we defeated the enemy, and we did it together. You, me, and everyone else here. What more could you want? A wave of guilt washed over Richard's face. He slumped his shoulders in shame. For twenty years, I stayed holed up in my home, frantically searching for answers. I knew there was danger, and I thought that if I kept studying, I'd figure out how to stop it. I lost out on any chance of friendship, fellowship, of love. I pushed away my old friends, even endangered them with the paranoid letters I sent them. And when it all came down to it, I didn't have the answer. I didn't know how to stop the foreign ones. I stood in shame as you came up with a solution. You encouraged the group to recite those words. It was you who shot down that evil despot in the tower. All along, Gemma, it was you. You were the solution all the ancient texts of all the religions of Epistel pointed to. It was you this whole time. I'm sorry I didn't recognize it sooner. I'm not something special, Gemma said. I'm not a chosen one. I was just in the right place at the right time. I had a great set of teachers and companions to guide me. We all did this together. Richard wept, and then he laughed. Gemma was confused, but she broke into laughter too. You know, for everything we achieved, there sure has been a lot of crying around here. It's not like this is goodbye forever or anything. It is, Gemma. I'm staying here. I will help this kingdom rebuild, and I will live among these people for the rest of my days. Ebestel is not my home. It never was. It was merely a hiding place. It was the place my parents hid me away in my youth, and it was the place I hid myself away for the last 25 years. I'm done hiding. I'm ready to live among my own people now, in Emerson. So yes, it is goodbye. Farewell, Gemma Calvertson, and thank you for all you've taught me on this great journey we've been on together. They embraced one final time. Gemma and her parents set off from King Harold's castle the next morning. Arnhem, Denny, Marzell, the captive King Davin, and the defeated soldiers of Epistel would all make their way south once the royal ships were repaired. The Calvertsons had been invited to sail with them. However, Gemma and her parents had declined. Gemma had requested enough supplies to allow them to take their time rather than heading home directly. She said farewell to Arnhem, who made her promise that she would come visit Plentimore Valley someday to meet his family. She then threw her arms around Denny. He was bashful at first, but then tightened his arms around her. She gave him a kiss on the cheek, and when she stepped back a moment later, he was as bright red as a fresh tomato. Arnhem laughed and rubbed his hand over the boy's head, ruffling his hair like a playful father with his son. Gemma guided her parents across the river and then west to the former castle of the Ancient Ones. It was vacant by the time they arrived, so they spent two full days and nights there. Geoffrey seemed to remember the place, and he brightened up immensely. It wasn't quite the same as when Nalia had put the temporary spell on him, but it was as close as Gemma could have dreamed of. By the time they left, Geoffrey was able to lead them up into the mountains that overlooked the castle to the north and what was once the forest in every other direction. It was there that a younger Geoffrey Calvertson and a small company of his fellow soldiers had witnessed the flash that had destroyed the forest and killed an army of thousands. This time, however, it was a place of new beginnings. They set up camp and watched the sunset. Across the campfire that night, Gemma met her father's eyes. In them, she saw neither trauma nor confusion. 
neither sadness nor disappointment. She saw a person who had sacrificed his well-being to help save a kingdom. That man looked into Gemma's eyes and saw the same thing. The eyes of a hero. Alright, that was chapter 42, The End of Gemma Calvertson and the Forest of Despair, by me, Ryan Hoyt. Thank you so much for coming along on this journey with me. As an independent author, reader, or listener support means everything. Please go to the page for this book at Goodreads and Amazon and give the book a review now that you've listened to the entire novel. I value your opinion. Please also share about the book or the podcast with your friends so that you can help spread the word. If you want to read what comes next, you can buy this book everywhere books are sold, including signed copies at ryanhoyauthor.com, or read it on Kindle Unlimited, and then pre-order the sequel, The Isle of Abandonment, which is coming July 2023. Now that you've finished the first story, I'll share the synopsis for the next book. She once saved a kingdom with her friends. Now she must do it alone. The nefarious King Davin has escaped captivity, bent on covering up his atrocious misdeeds by declaring Gemma Calvertson and her friends enemies of the state. Gemma is unable to publish her manuscript about Epistel's true history, and her friends have problems of their own. Marzell loses faith in his god, driving him to join a cult that employs dark sorcery for vengeance. A new vision gives Denny insight into the location of his parents and their impending deaths, and Arnhem insists on aiding the rescue mission with the Royal Mystic Committee in pursuit. When a vigilante journalist promises to help Gemma get her story out, she worries that this new companion cannot be trusted. If she rejects him, Davin will resume his rule unopposed, and Gemma's family and friends will never be free. Gemma and her crew were stronger together, but now their paths must diverge, and Gemma must put her life into this stranger's hands. From a prison break to a train heist, the Isle of Abandonment takes Gemma and her friends on their most difficult journeys yet, and this time, they don't have each other for support. All right, well, I don't know yet what the future brings for this podcast, whether I will read my other novels and novella and short stories here, or if this is the end for the Machete and Quill podcast. Please let me know what you thought about the show and if you would like to see it continue by connecting with me on social media, which you can find links to at ryanhoytauthor.com, or you can email me at ryan at ryanhoytauthor.com. The music in this podcast is from Before the World Moved On, an old music side project of mine. I've been thrilled to be able to share my own music with you each week, in addition to my writing. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Machete and Quill podcast. I've been your host, Ryan Hoyt. Thank you so much for completing our journey together through the forest of despair, and may you all be heroes of your own stories. Take care. Goodbye.